Okay, so we are back today with our discussion on Kaylee and Casey. Anthony, um, you guys really like the first two episodes, and I'm really proud of them. Um, you know how in a couple episodes ago, like a couple episodes ago, I was like, "Shut up, sit down, like listen." This is the episode where you get to stand up and talk with us. We're going to talk about your comments. We're going to talk about what y'all feel on this, what people from the internet feel on this and give you a full picture of this new documentary. Some of my content has mention of extreme violence, sexual assault, and or other triggering content. Discretion is advised. I'm excited for this one. We we both watched the documentary, uh -huh. um, which sometimes sometimes I don't do as much. She's much better at the research side of things. She's always the research person. Uh -huh. uh, but this time I had my bias coming into it. And so I wanted to see if this documentary changed my bias at all. Yep, and we'll definitely get into that. Yes, we will. <laughs> All right, so are we ready? Yes, and so everybody knows I am a little under the weather, unfortunately. So is uh, Sarah, but she's at least hopefully mostly on the other side of it. Yep. Um, but if I sniffle, cough, whatever, sorry, I'm trying not to, but we don't really have a mute button on these things. So If you cough or sneeze, do it directly into the mic, and yeah, we'll cut no. that for ASMR, <laughs> and we'll make a $1,000 off of it. That is the worst <laughs> ASMR. I cannot imagine anybody wanting that. COVID AMSR, no. <laughs> I hope not. Yeah, we don't have COVID, but... We, we uh, got our, uh, yeah, we got our shots, so hopefully not. Yep, but we are a little under the weather, so... We might sound bad. But we had to come back together for this documentary That's because important. this was a lot. There's and, a lot in this. And as Sarah's told me, uh, a lot of your comments are going to be new to me, but you, everybody was very opinionated on this, which we love. Right. So there was people you. who were on one side and people who were on the other side. Um, so before we get into this, what I did want to say is there's always a disclaimer at the beginning of my videos saying that we might talk about things that are sensitive. This documentary and our discussion will probably go into the category of SA or abuse. Um, I don't want to say it in case it gets depressed, but there is a lot of SA in this documentary and our coverage. Um, so if you're not into that thing, if that's a trigger, if you don't like it, shut it off. We understand. Yeah, I'm not and here to re-traumatize you. Right, and uh, SA is just basically because uh, we want you guys to see this video, and if we say the full word, then YouTube is going to say, eh, I don't care if they <laughs> I don't care if they have notifications, we're still going to suppress it, so. Yeah. We, and uh, we're even, trying to get it out there so everybody gets to see it. Right. Um, even They might even suppress it with me saying some of the words that I say. If they do, they do. Right. Um, but this is important, and some of these subject matter is important too, and I want to be able to talk freely and open and honest about it. So that's yeah. my disclaimer. It's a tightrope. Yep, it is. Do you have anything to say before we dive in? Yeah, so I, I did want to 
uh, I brought this up to you before, uh, just before we started here, and wanted to uh, try this the scale, this idea I had for a scale as we went through the documentary. Um, Ten being that we believe Casey Anthony did it, and zero being that we think either the father, George, or accidental was the cause here. The reason why I wanted to do that is because it's, I wanted to get an idea how the documentary swayed you and how it swayed me too, really, uh, and kind of see like a scale of how we went back and forth along the way. And um, yeah, I think that I think that's a, a good representation, as good as we could do, of how the documentary influenced us. Right. I think that's a great idea. Um, I also wanted to point out that if you have not seen the Peacock documentary, that is okay. We are going to talk about it before we talk about like our opinions and stuff too, but it's going to be filtered in. Um, but you're not going to miss anything. Um, right. If you did not see my coverage of the case, that's fine. You just have to have a little bit of background on this um, and on this case before coming into this one. But we will talk about everything. So. And so also with that note, spoilers. <laughs> yes, you, there are spoilers for if sure. If you are going to watch the Peacock documentary, you should pause this and go to the Peacock one, then come back. Yes. Um, but if you don't want to do that, if you don't want to waste three hours of your life um, and rather waste it on us, then <laughs> Or if you just don't want to, <laughs> if you just don't want to give, some people out there don't like the fact that Casey got a platform. So if you... Right. Or not wanting to support that, I guess you can listen to ours, and we'll give you the high level. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, we're going to go episode by episode, talk about some of the themes, some of the things. Like I told you earlier, I had, like, super detailed notes. I was like, lights go down, Casey enters frame. <laughs> and then I was like, why do they need to know all this? They don't care. Um, <laughs> so, listener, I don't care those things. So we're going to just talk about, like, the big things um, and kind of go from there. And I kept pretty much all of it up here. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. And so I'm, I may, because of that, there may be some details I slip on. But the fun thing about this one, I think, this, the, this format, is we actually haven't talked to each other yet. Nope. We watched it separately. We both have our own opinions on it. Mm -hmm. And you're going to get to hear us as we discuss those opinions like we normally would if we were to discuss a case just hanging out because we've done that before. <laughs> we've, yep. we've talked about cases just sitting around. And so you're actually going to get to hear the process, which I think is hopefully going to be cool. Right. Um, there's one more thing I was going to say, and I just completely. We got time. I don't think I this is going to be a short it. one. Right. I don't <laughs> think so either. Yeah, so we'll get into it, and if it comes to my mind, I will I'll say. Sounds good. All right. Oh, I know what it was. I don't know about you guys, but I do want to talk about what your opinion was and your feeling was coming into this. Mm -hmm. Because when it opened up, I was sitting there like, what do you want to say? <laughs> like, what you're going to say? What are you going to prove to me? How are you going to? Are you going to confess? Like, I already thought she was guilty of something. And are you going to show emotion? Are you right. going to 
do you care? You know, because that was a big thing going into it is everybody said she seemed emotionless before, uh, during the trial and during the call. And mm -hmm. uh, our previous video, you posted the 911 call so you can hear that and judge for yourself. But uh, yeah, and that's kind of where I was thinking the scale. So what were you at on the scale going into this? Were you, were you closer to 10 then that you thought that she... She definitely did it. I don't. I wasn't at a ten. Um, I thought she did it, but it was accidental. So I was at kind of like a seven, maybe. Okay. So um, yeah, you were. You weren't sure on. You you think she was involved, but not necessarily that she explicitly attempted to do it. Mm -hmm. Like she was okay. And I wonder coming into this if the mood would have been different if I thought she was completely innocent. Um, or if I've never heard the case before, which people have brought up on the internet, like, right. I mean, this is a 14 year old case. So, yeah, I mean, for people our age, it's like, oh yeah, no, I remember that case for sure. But then if you have, you know, listeners who are maybe 20, they were mm -hmm. six when this case happened, they yeah. didn't, they didn't see it happen mm -hmm. right as it was going on. So this could be a first introduction to a lot of people, this yeah. documentary. And I definitely think it's painting a picture. Yes, um, I, I do think it was, uh, and I'm sure I will harp on this a lot, I do feel like it was, uh, if you notice who is in the documentary, and we discussed this in the other one, a lot of times a documentary will have a bias, and they will want you to see um, the picture they're painting, and they want to paint it a certain way. Mm -hmm. um, almost every participant in this was part of the defense team yes so that kind of tells you where they're by they had some that weren't part of the uh defense team they had a few investigators and a few friends a few former friends um it wasn't all defense team but there, it was very heavily defense team and there was i don't think anybody from the prosecution team that I'm aware of. No, and I mean, some of the investigators or cops had their opinions, and right. they were very much on guilty. Right. Um, but <laughs> the documentary definitely did what a documentary does. It paints the picture that the person writing the documentary wants to paint. It wants to make you feel something. Yep, and it definitely opens up like that. So the first episode is called Why Lie? We get... Casey Anthony um, unpacking her things in this rental home, um, which is where all of this documentary was shot. Immediately, I started out, this is weird. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. it, it's just a weird feel. Like, they, it was almost like some, some Blair Witch Project filming at that point where they're <laughs> just like walking behind her with the camera and like, hey, why, so why are we at a rental house? And yeah. It was just, it, it started out with a weird feel. Yeah, and she's unpacking all of her things, and it's, like, framed big pictures of Kaylee. Mm -hmm. And, like, she's putting them up on the wall, and I'm like, how long are you spending in this rental I, home? I know. Like, I, I was she acts there. like it's her house. And I know it's a three-hour documentary, and I'm sure it took more than three hours to film because you have, you know, Step Away, you have... Mm -hmm. um, multiple days of probably doing it so it, it probably was a few days but it did look like she was setting it up as a permanent residence yeah um and i think i mean she's going through pictures she's crying she's talking about how she misses kaylee this sets the whole mood for the documentary you know what happens in first five minutes of filming something 
takes you through the rest. Yeah. It's like your first impression, like the cover of the book of a book. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, she did also say, and, and sorry if I step on any of your no, notes, but she, she did also say that the reason why the rental house was because she was protecting her roommate's privacy. Yes. So that was the reason for it is that she <clears throat> wanted to, uh, go into the fact that she's been through a lot media wise and privacy is really important to her. Yeah. Which regardless of anything, I think that's very true. Yeah. And that's, I mean, after what the media yeah. exposed her to, like, yeah, I don't, whatever happened, whatever she did, I'm sure she likes privacy now. Mm-hmm. I mean, we see in true crime, people just get lit on fire. Yeah. And I think this was one of the first cases of that. I mean, I'm sure there was ones before, but they, they did say it was one of the early social media cases where the yeah. social, social media got onto it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, people just, I mean, stood out on her lawn and said things. She was scared for her safety. Like, regardless of anything that had happened, like, she wasn't found guilty and she wasn't found guilty yet. She was still going through a trial. And us as the media, us as the public kind of failed her on a lot of that. Like she has the right to be safe through that process. She has a right to a trial and it, yes. it's supposed to be, I, I feel this a lot and say this a lot. It's supposed to be innocent until proven guilty, but a lot of times it feels like it's guilty until proven innocent mm-hmm. when this stuff blows up in the media like this one did. Um, because they immediately said, this is our primary suspect. And uh, so many details, as you're going to find out, were public mm-hmm. that it just immediately was like, she's guilty. Yeah. And that's how the media, the media is like, oh, man, everybody's angry because she's guilty. Let's play this up. Mm-hmm. So the media was, you, yes, the media likes to be, or their job is to be accurate. But they also, I mean, it's a business. They want ratings. They want money. They want advertisers. Um, so they're going to go with the stories that are getting the heat. Yep. That was getting the heat. Right. So you kind of have documentary painting this very one way. And you can see that early on. Like, I didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. You know, you kind of, so we as the public saw this documentary coming as we were advertised that she had no creative control in the making of this. And they said that right away. Yes. They said that right (laughs) away. They made it a point to put it into the trailer that she had no creative control. This was something that is supposed to be an honest representation. Right. That was within like the first five, 10 minutes. They were like, why would you do this now when you have no creative control? Exactly. Hey, she has no creative control, everybody. <laughs> right. Um, which I think <laughs> there that's true. She didn't have creative yeah. control, but the people making the documentary did, and they thought she was innocent. Well, and that brought up the question to me, the more I thought about it, who had creative control then? Yes. Was it some, like, I, I don't know this answer of who had control, but was it somebody on her legal team that had creative control? I don't know that. And I, I didn't, you know, we'll have to dig on that and see if we can, I don't even know if we could figure that out, but. Oh, we could somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Might, might be some extra detective work on that part then. <laughs> uh, but I mean, yeah, uh, 
maybe she doesn't, but maybe somebody that was part of the legal team did the defense. Yeah. Or someone, I mean, anybody can make a documentary. Right. Like I can make a documentary and put out my opinion. And that's what we're seeing now with YouTube and with, you know, all of these documentaries coming out is that like with making a murder, you did have a lot of one side of the story. Mm -hmm. When you make a show or make something, you can say what you believe. You can leave out things, put in things, do sway things, just like the defense team and the prosecution do in a trial. So we got to look at everything, not just this documentary is and what it, I'm trying to get. Right. And it, it really is like whether they were trying to make her feel guilty or make people feel like she was guilty or trying to make people feel like she's innocent, they wanted to make her feel something because if they if you go into it and you're just like, well, I'm just as confused as when I started this documentary, then it's not going to be a good documentary in terms of people watching it. Oh, I would watch it. But I, yeah. I would watch <laughs> it. I would be interested in it, but it, it's probably not going to be as popular. polarizing or popular mm -hmm. where everybody's like, I want to talk about this. Right. Um, and then there's this like lights camera action moment where you have Casey and she just she looks nervous. <laughs> she really does. She looks like, yeah. oh no, what did I get into? And she I, was not comfortable in that first little bit. And I mean, that's to be expected yeah, for sure. rightfully so. Um, so we get kind of the background of the case. Uh, we get the investigator's side, the defense team side um, of kind of what they think of the case. Um, and then we learn that she is super close with her defense team. Yes. Uh, she works with one of the defense lawyers, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, so she is like, and that's like, he says later in the documentary, that's my, like, like my daughter. Yes. So you have <laughs> her being very, very close with her defense team. And a lot of those people are in this documentary. Yes. And actually the one in particular you're talking about, she lived with for at least, I think they said at least a year, right? Yes. Um, so when we say close, we're talking like roommates at one point. Yeah, um, like so, a father figure. Right. And they said that a few times even. Mm -hmm. um, so then we get kind of this background on lying. We get this theme of why did you lie? Why did you lie so much? Um, at one point, we see some footage of her where she's in Target. And we hear that she stole money from a friend to do this. Or yeah. Checks from a friend to do this. Yep, was using a friend's checkbook. Right. Mm. During the time that Kaylee was missing. This was something I didn't know happened. I didn't um, either. I do think that it says something. Because let's say that my daughter went missing and I believe that she's alive. I wouldn't. And then she goes in and she doesn't pick up anything for her daughter. If she believes her daughter was alive, why not a bear or a piece of candy or something for Kaylee? That was my interpretation of that. What did you think? I didn't, I don't know. I didn't have too much of a, of a feeling on all that. It, it almost didn't feel relevant, I guess, mm. if that makes sense. Um, because it was, I mean, it doesn't paint her as a good person to take, you know, her friend's uh, checkbook and use it and things like that. But at the same point in time, I mean, everybody needs groceries. Like, every, That's true. you know, like she... <clears throat> You know, yeah, I mean, she could have lived off fast food or whatever, but I I, I don't know. I mean, I just didn't. Um, That's a great point. I don't. 
I didn't read too much into that part, I guess would be a good way of putting it. And I did. And so that's why I have different opinions. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, you having that opinion, I'm like, man, I, you know, I didn't think about that. Like, um, maybe there are things she could have gotten for Kaylee or done for Kaylee, things like that. But I, I just didn't really think about that. Yeah. Um, so she talks about how she's conditioned to lie, and we get a lot more of that later. Mm-hmm. Um, and she talks about the 911 call and the coldness in her voice. Right. And this was something that I definitely noticed when listening to the 911 call, um, listening and reading the transcripts of the 911, and when she was even being interrogated, she she has a such a coldness a there's nothing there like there's no emotion and i i mean i this is in a i think later episode so maybe i'm jumping ahead but um the mom at one point does kind of call her out on that and says well why weren't you upset and she was like well i i cry all the time i can only cry so much yeah and then i've got to be strong otherwise Mm mm-hmm so that's how she explained it away. That was while she was in prison, I believe. Yeah. Um, so she describes this feeling as just being numb. She says she was so numb. She was kind of saying what she was told to say. And that's it. Like, there was no emotion behind it because there was no emotion in her is basically kind of what she was saying. Right. And they went into, you're being told this, what to say. Who are you being told what to say by? Mm-hmm. So then she starts talking about her father. Um, this is where we get a bit, big bulk of her relationship with George um, and a little bit with Cindy. Um, she talks about the past a lot. And this was a big thing that we didn't get in, at least when I researched it, um, was she talks about a lot of George's affairs um, and the fact that George did not have a job and that her mother was you know, working long hours and she's painting her father as a bad guy is kind of the mood as a, just uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Like a a compulsive liar basically, because he was uh, according to her was telling and showing everybody that like, Oh, I'm the patriarch of the family Mm -hmm. is how she said it. But really the mom was a really strong matriarch of the family and she, worked 16 hours and she provided for everybody and the father didn't do anything according to her. Mm -hmm. And she's kind of painting her family. And they say this a little bit in the documentary as this all American family, you know, with two kids, a boy and a girl, and they're so happy. And from the outside that, you know, they just have everything. But then on the inside, there's a lot more going on. Right. It's all a facade that they wanted you to see. But then mm-hmm. behind closed doors, it's different, which I'm, I'm sure a lot of families are like that. Exactly. Yeah. So she kind of drops in right here that she was essayed by her father. Mm-hmm. Now, this was something we, we had claims of during the trial. Um, but she goes into depth that it started at eight years old. Um, then it stopped right around 12. Then she says that her brother started shortly after that and stopped when she was 15. And she said that her brother didn't go as far as her father did. Yes. With the essay. Yes. So, um, she talks very vividly about the trauma Mm -hmm. that she experienced. So... 
let's have the talk around essay for a second. And this is going to be a theme. Yes, this is a theme that happens throughout, but I really wanted to make it a point to really talk about this because it's a big part of all of this. So trigger warning, do you want to yes. stop here? Cool. We'll probably talk about it later though. So just warning. <laughs> but this, this is probably getting more detailed than. Yes. Than. Yeah. Yep. So she, she talks about how she was a victim of both her father and her brother. Um, and that they were, very separate incidences, but yet the trauma kind of all meshed in a way. Mm -hmm. She talks about how she compartmentalizes a lot of things, um, which is a big thing for SA survivors, right. um, and how she blocks a lot of stuff out, um, how she can put on a face for certain people and not for others. Uh, these are very big themes with SA. Um, what I wanted to really talk about is that she can be a victim of SA and still have done this. Mm -hmm. um, they are two separate things. And I know that with this case, and especially with this documentary, they shove everything together a lot. And I'm not saying that it's not the cause or a lot of this stuff is enmeshed. But I do think that we have to understand that she can still be a victim and do this and she could not be a victim and not do this and all a lot of different things right it can be a lot of different scenarios and so with the compartmentalized thing i think that what they use that a lot in this documentary is to explain well this is why maybe i didn't remember some things mm -hmm. is because or why i lied or why why i lied is because and um I've seen, I, I thought this when I saw it, and then I've seen a ton of people comment on it. By far the worst animation I have seen <laughs> in a long time. That is like, that is like a retro video game. That was bad. It, it was pretty bad animation. It was, yeah. it was PS2 video game if anybody's played video games. It was, it was bad. Um, but their, their animation was her having things uh, on a box on a shelf, which is basically a visual representation of compartmentalizing things. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's kind of how they tried to explain away the lying. And um, to be completely, you know, uh, I guess support what you said there is when you have SA happen when you're a child, mm -hmm. it changes you completely as an adult. It Forever, changes yes. your, your development. Because in those years when you're developing, you don't know what's right and what's wrong. You don't know what's your fault and what wasn't your fault. Mm -hmm. You don't know what was okay and what wasn't. And then that, during the years that you really actually like form as a person, that changes you a lot. And so the fact that she could potentially be lying because that's how she has coped throughout the years that's really it's not something that you would say oh i i don't think a sa survivor would do that that does seem to fit you know does it seem does. to fit what could potentially happen yep um i i do want to say that this is a very hard 
thing, I think, for true crime listeners and people who are familiar with true crime, because there's a lot of serial killers and murderers that have essay when they were young. Mm -hmm. They go on to do horrible things. Um, This feels like, this case to me felt like, I don't know what is real. Yeah. I have no idea what is even reality and I, at this point. So I, I, the way I rationalize that in my mind is, uh, and I, I feel like I have a good analogy for this, but when I rationalized it in my mind, I kind of thought of it as, okay, she was proven initially to have lied. Mm-hmm. Um, she was proven to initially have lied about her job. She was proven to have lied about... Um, uh, what else was there? The last time she saw her, uh, Zany the Nanny, um, mm-hmm. she was proven to have lied about multiple things, which is the reason why they arrested her originally, is for right. lying to the police. Mm-hmm. And so the analogy that I came up with in my, in my mind is it's almost in a way like being cheated on as someone who's viewing the case because <laughs> with cheating usually comes lying, and when you get lied to originally – the rest of the time, you're going to be sitting there going, but I already know they lied. Right. I already caught the lie the first time. Yep. So how can I trust these new things you're saying when I caught that you lied the first time? Yes. And, and I definitely think that's what the police and the investigators went through. That's exactly their point of view on it. Right. Was we don't believe anything you say now. And with cheating, it's, it's like, um, and with lying in relationships in general... I've always said, well, it's the hardest thing to do if you get cheated on in a relationship is to then trust somebody because it takes trust to build trust. Mm-hmm. Well, if somebody lied to you at the beginning, you don't really have any trust to build more, build the trust back with. Right. And so, I mean, we're in this case, we're using Casey a lot to try to build back the trust that she's why she lied and that she's not lying now. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard when. She lost her trust initially. Right. And it is very hard for me as someone who has been around victims of SA, um, who always says you believe the victim. Like, Mm -hmm. I I went into this and I was like, well, now my opinion is she was essayed because she said Mm -hmm. she was. I believe that. I believe her. But I still think she's guilty. And I was like, but those things don't mesh with the case and what this documentary is building. Yeah. And it's, it's really is like you said, though, it's like other serial killers have had that happen before and they can be a victim, but then later on commit crimes and be, you know, the criminal at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, they, they are two separate. One may lead to someone starting to think away later in their life, but that doesn't, absolve them later on right and i will say this i see the other side too i see where people are like she's building a case against someone else and putting the blame on someone else so she is saying she was essayed and it didn't happen if that is true she is the worst person on the planet yeah yeah (laughs) at this point like i mean she killed her kid and then she lied about essay so both of those things like (laughs) Set her on fire at this point. Right, because, I mean, it's, people have said this before. Um, people who are not victims, but then use that for their own goal mm-hmm. and um, use 
claiming to be a victim if they're not, and then it's proven otherwise that they were lying or they admit that they're lying is horrible because it makes the true victims of that, it makes them all look worse. It does. Um, and they shouldn't because you should never feel uncomfortable coming forward with that information. Um, and some of the things she said, it it did really sound like she had some of those moments where she's like, is anybody going to believe me? Am I going to get in trouble for this? Was it my fault? Like, it's so many things that a victim of SA would say and think because mm-hmm. that's unfortunately why sometimes people don't come forward. Right. And that's why I do believe that it really happened. Um, I believe she was essayed. And I think this poor girl, and she also then says that um, she was raped at 18. I do remember her saying that, yeah, she was talking about the um, uh, a party <clears throat> incident. Mm-hmm. And that's how Kaylee was conceived. Um, and, I mean, I, I probably don't want to go too detailed into this, but they said it was through a... Um, some I don't remember if they actually specified the drug, but it's some somebody did something to her drink that incapacitated incapacitated her. Right. Which is why she says that she has ideas of who the father could be, but she doesn't know for sure. Yes. And so this girl had been essayed until she was fifteen and then again at eighteen, has a kid, um, was told not to keep this kid. Um did um and that's a lot of trauma to deal with. That is a lot. And I'm saying, I mean, I believe her that all that happened. Um, allegedly, allegedly, the her parents, and I think this was also brought up in the court case, wanted to say that she wasn't pregnant. Right. And the, um, again, photos and things like that, like, oh, she's not pregnant. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to, I don't know if they're ashamed that she was pregnant at a young age or pregnant without being married. But um, that was brought up in the court case, too. Yeah. I mean, there is a lot of trauma there that affects a lot of what her personality is, a lot of her lying, a lot of her actions. Um, I just don't know how this meshes with the evidence, but we will get to that. (laughs) (laughs) It just, that's my disconnect with it. I think... uh... Yeah, I think maybe we'll get into it a little later, but I think it's... So I caught something that she said as foreshadowing, and I don't know if other people thought this at first originally, but as part of the essay that she described with her father, she said that she did remember um, if she was to push back and say no, that her father would smother her with a pillow. Yes. And knock her unconscious. Mm -hmm. Um, I heard that and I immediately kind of filed it away. Like, okay, I think this is going to be relevant later. Yeah. And then it, it very much becomes relevant later. Mm -hmm. Yep. So keep that definitely in the back of your head as we go forward. That that was the place where I do think the evidence of what happened or not necessarily evidence, but the, picture their painting of what they believe happened in this history that she's giving. I do think that's kind of one of the places at least where they did intersect. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so then uh, as we go on, um, she talks, of course, about the pregnancy um, that she had an old boyfriend and kind of led him to believe or, you know, he believed too that Kaylee was his, uh, took a test and it wasn't. Um, and then at the end of the episode, she just says, no one asked me why I lied. And going back to the, the boyfriend thing, she does admit that was wrong. She mm -hmm. said yeah. that I should not have led him on that way to believing it was his. She said, originally, I didn't know. And, but she's like, I should have, I should have said that. Mm -hmm. But that also, I mean, we've already said she lies and has lied in the past. It's another lie that she was doing at the time. And so another reason why people are having trouble trusting her is because that's another lie there. Yeah, they talk about how she lied a lot even before all of this happened. Yeah. Um, that this was a pattern of hers. Um, and we don't know where this comes from. I think right. People sometimes just lie. And they, they say that this came from the essay, too, mm -hmm. yeah. is where they, a lot of times they said, uh, in the documentary, they said that this is where her lying came from, was the essay and also from that part of putting on a facade of a, the perfect family, but really it wasn't. Mm -hmm. So she was supposed to lie and make it seem like a perfect family. Right. Um, so like, as you said, that's the end of episode one. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I forgot to give at the beginning where I was on things. Uh, on the scale, I was at probably, was that probably eight or nine? I was, mm. I was pretty sure she did it. Mm -hmm. um, so where are you after episode one? So after episode one, I'm feeling a little more bad for her, but I'm still saying kind of like what you are. Well, what's this all have to do with the case? Yeah. Because uh, it was a lot of history of uh -huh. what she'd gone through, which is important, and it definitely builds for later, uh -huh. but it doesn't move the needle too much for me, so I'm, I'm like maybe at an 8 now. Instead of being 8 or 9, I'm like actually more towards an 8, so it, it did move it more in favor to maybe it wasn't her, but it wasn't by a lot. Right. How about I think, you? So I said I was at a 7 at the beginning. <laughs> um, after episode 1, I was probably still at a 7. Yeah. Um, but I do believe her. I will say that. I do believe. I do too. I do believe I, I a lot of that do. happened. And there's more that comes out later uh, as to why I kind of believe her. Mm -hmm. um, but that is going to happen in later episodes. Yes. So episode two is called Remembering. Um, we open kind of with Casey talking about the day that this happened. Now, this was where I was like, all right, this is what we're waiting for here is her side of what things her side of that day right so i all the notes that i took i just copied over and put in this so i will read <laughs> what she says in this little paragraph um so casey recounted the day of what happened night before she put kaylee to bed she woke up the next morning and got her breakfast casey wasn't feeling good that day so she put the TV on. She said the door was closed um, and that Kaylee was laying beside her. She said she used to be on high alert because of the abuse and that she had always been a light sleeper. She said it was possible the door was unlocked. Um, and she does say that her dad, George, was home. She said she fell asleep um, and that she was asleep for a while. 
And she woke up with her dad shaking her and asking her where Kaylee was. She said Kaylee wouldn't leave without asking her. She said she wouldn't even go to the bathroom without getting her mother. She said she looked all over the house for her. Um, she said she never had done that before. Um, she said she didn't have to look in the pool because when she was looking outside, she looked in the front yard, and when she came around to the back of the house, her father was standing there holding Kaylee. Kaylee was soaking wet. Uh, her father looked at Kaylee, Casey and said, this is all your fault, and you caused this. Um, Casey said she took her in her arms. She was crying and holding her. Um, George then looked at her, said, everything is going to be okay, took Kaylee from her arms, and went inside. She says she doesn't know how long she waited, and she doesn't know where her father went with Kaylee. She says from that point on, she doesn't know what happened. Um, but she said she did see her father go inside with Kaylee. And that was the last time she had ever seen it. She, yes. Uh, according to her, she ever saw Kaylee. Mm-hmm. Um, so, she did say, though, that her dad said she would be okay. Yeah. That's um, a big thing. And um, this is kind of where her story has changed a little bit, too, over the years. Um, she had said that earlier that she, the last time she had seen her was, it was like a couple weeks earlier, I think, if, if I remember right. It wasn't the 16th from what I was reading. This was outside of the documentary. This was some, and I'll, I'll get to some of this other stuff I read. I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole after the documentary. But um, they did say originally, uh, some of the things I was reading, her original story wasn't that that day, June 16th, was that wasn't her original story of what happened. Of, you know, that was that being the last day that she saw her, things mm -hmm. like that, and how that happened. Yeah, there was another story she told where she, where we got that she just dropped her off with the Zanny, nanny. Yeah, with Zanny the nanny, and that she went to work and then she called and couldn't get a hold of the nanny, and that the nanny had taken her. Right, uh, and she said um, in a different because um, Robert a Peacock and the fact that you put on another documentary about her right <laughs> after <laughs> after that one's finished because I'm like. Like, hmm, I finished the documentary. Oh, there's another one. Now I've got to watch this one. <laughs> so I, I did watch part of that, and they mentioned that she, and I don't know if you know this or not, but they, she said that uh, when she went missing, she had tried to call Zany, but Zany's phone was off, and that's why the police couldn't reach her. By why phone. the police couldn't reach? Zany. Trying to find uh, what Zany, where so Zany they was. So they dialed a number that was supposed to be for Zany? That's my understanding, yeah. Huh. Um, okay. but the number was either not in service or not valid or something. I wonder and what that number was. I don't know. They I would didn't love to say, know that. yeah, that'd be interesting to know, but they didn't, they didn't <clears throat> say the number. Um, and, but that was, a, that was a whole nother documentary, but just to, you know, explain some details on Zanny, uh, she was looked into Yeah, and they couldn't find the Zanny. They found somebody and that's not her first name but i don't have her her first name on hand and i almost Zanata. i almost don't want to like use her whole name too much they right. use that in the documentary <laughs> but i 
Zanato's been pretty much cleared of everything. Like yeah. nowhere near any of this. And there, there is a Zanata mm-hmm. that was either in the town or in a nearby town, but she had no clue who Casey Anthony was. Right. And so, by all accounts, she had the the Zanata was just a random person that happened to have the same name, mm-hmm. and everybody was like, "You're the nanny," and she's like, "What?" <laughs> Which Kaylee does explain that she had had a friend or knew somebody Met who somebody yeah that was a nanny with that name. Yes, that had a nanny with that name. name. It wasn't her name. Right. And she says that she lied about that. Yeah. So right. so she definitely did. Don't go knocking on Sandy's door. And <laughs> right. I'll probably keep using Sandy just because it's easier to remember, but also because I don't want that person to yeah, she get has any more. No involvement. In yeah. This. Get any more issues than what Sherry has. Right. Which I'm glad she sued. I would sue too. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of glad you mentioned that because I forgot she sued, but yeah. she did. Okay, so then um, she kind of goes more into that essay at this point. Um, she This is the point where she brings up the smothering incident. Um, oh, I'm sorry. So I did jump ahead on that one. That's I okay. she did that on the first episode. No, that's all right. Um, because we talked about this, we got it out of the way, um, but it does come back. So right. just keep that in mind. Um, now we get kind of where the lies are mixed with grief and about grief and grief counseling and things like that. Um, so first, you're supposed to explain her reactions, her right? reactions. This is where you're like getting those pictures of her partying in that was it blue or purple dress. I don't, I, I didn't look that close. That, that sounds um, like the uh, debate on the dress of the striped <laughs> dress of what color it is. Right. I don't, I don't remember, but I will say, I, I do want to bring this up on that part because I did notice this. So in court, uh, defense teams and prosecutors try to paint a picture of a person. Yes. They very much try to paint a picture of who she was. Mm-hmm. That was a lot of the basis of this case. And they made her look, um, I'm trying to use words that are not going to get this suppressed, but they <laughs> made her look promiscuous. They made her look like she was a party girl. And maybe she was, maybe she wasn't. But the prosecution definitely painted her as a very promiscuous woman, a very party life, nightlife kind of woman, especially during those 31 days. Mm-hmm. But And that's well documented. Everybody kind of knows that part. But what I thought was interesting is seeing the court pictures of her in court. I think her defense team tried to make her basically look like a nun. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think her defense team basically tried to make her look like the most conservative, innocent. Um, innocent. Yeah, yeah, like you even see the pictures of her when they gave the verdict, and she's wearing some like pink, like ruffly thing that's like <laughs> up to her, up to her chin, and like I very much think that was intentional, and it, it's kind yeah. of an uncomfortable conversation because it's like. You, what you're wearing shouldn't define exactly what none of that should say that doesn't mean you did anything right but it, the reason why i bring that up is it isn't i think important to discuss because i do think both sides were trying to paint a picture they were mm-hmm. they literally picked a picture of her where somebody was grabbing her breast yeah like they're they're going for a narrative there of yeah. how she was and what she was doing 
And then obviously the defense was going for a narrative of, no, she's not. Look, she's here right in front of you and she's not like that. Yeah. Um, this is a common tactic. They did it with Jody Aries too. Really? Yeah. This is a common tactic. They tell, like, the defense team will tell, um, like, me- I say men, but like people to cover up their tattoos, um, look, comb your hair good, look like you're innocent, look like you're just. Some random person who just happened to be there. Yeah, this is a very common tactic, and it does sway people. They see this girl, and they're like, she would never kill her daughter. Look at how innocent she looks. She's wearing ruffles. (laughs) I didn't know how else to describe that shirt because it's it's like an old, almost old-timey looking shirt. Mm -hmm. Um, Very, you know. Very school marm. Yeah, maybe. That would be a good way of putting it, yeah. Um, So very... Business cash, as we say in the biz. That didn't didn't even look casual. It looked uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah. So um, I'm glad you you brought that up because that's true. Um, We see her partying. um, They literally had a picture of her by a toilet like she was getting sick. Yeah. They very much tried to use those pictures to paint who she was. Right. And one of the friends says, like, all those pictures were over, like, a couple-year period. Which I don't, some of that is weird to me because I don't think they, I don't, I don't think they were all outside of that window though. Right. Like I do think they, they used some pictures from the window, but they might've maybe snuck in some other pictures of like, mm-hmm. this is how she was before too. So right. it wasn't just those 31 days, but yep. um, there were some in those 31 days. There was confirmed times of her going out right in those 31 days so i wanted to kind of talk about this and i'm gonna fast forward just a bit because she talks about that time a little later mm-hmm. but this is very relevant and she says that she says look in every picture i didn't have alcohol in my hand at all i wasn't drinking i was there to work i was there to promote my boyfriend's business or DJing or whatever. Yeah, he said he was a DJ in our first one, and I think that's Mm kind of how they said, too. Um, Which I I still, like, I don't think any of this really has a big thing to do, but they do mix this in with her grief, and they bring a grief counselor in that says that this is very normal for people, especially of a young age, to... um, experience grief by acting out, doing risky behavior, acting like nothing happened. Yeah. Um, which it, she's looking like nothing happened. That's for sure. Yeah. That, and that was definitely something the uh, prosecution used as like it. She looks in all pictures like nothing happened. And I mean, we have to mention the tattoo because this is about the time they brought up the tattoo. Mm-hmm. Um, she had... Do you know? Do you remember off the top of your head what it said in Italian? I know what it's supposed to mean, but I can't remember the exact name. Uh, Bella Vita. Bella Vita is supposed to be the good life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a huge thing that people were like, she and there, there was, uh, I believe, her tattoo. The person who did the tattoo said that the date she got it, and it was in that in that window. In that window, so she did get a tattoo that said the good life, and she tried to explain it away as. Well, my father said that Kaylee's okay, so I mm-hmm. thought she was okay. Like, and she also says it's kind of an fu to my family. Yes. 
um, by saying like, look, we have this beautiful life, but it's not really. Right. I think this is another thing that people and they do this a lot in law and they do this a lot in defense team stuff is making everything you do look and have an explanation and justified and a reason behind. And I mean, and she has that tattoo covered up now. They did explain that that it's not covered up, but they, she changed it. Yes. Um, and I think it's completely covered. It might be, yeah. Because they um, did a close-up of her shoulder. And yeah, it's, it's like some kind of like squirrely flower thing. Yeah, like, it's yeah. a terrible description. I'm sorry. I don't remember <laughs> how they covered it up, but I do remember it's not that anymore. And she does go into talking about the tattoo, and she does have a tattoo on the inside of her arm that she says is um, her tattoo for Kaylee mm-hmm. at that point. Um, I don't we might get into that later because I think that was episode three. But yeah, but I don't remember what it said. It was something along the lines of like I, I hear you and everything around mm. you, or I sense you and everything around me, kind of thing. Yep. Uh, it it was along those lines, and she's like, "That's my Kaylee memorial tattoo, not the one that was on my shoulder." Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but she also a lot of people pointed to online that she she did cover it up, so she must have not felt good about it is how a lot of people interpreted it, but right. that's, that's an interpretation. It's not evidence. Yeah. <laughs> I would cover up a couple of tattoos I have just because they've got stretch marks on them now and they look stupid. <laughs> Whatever. Um, <laughs> so I, I, but I do think, you know, I think we have to be careful a lot in cases because I do think they, especially this case, there's a lot of, um, I believe they call it circumstantial evidence mm-hmm. and not necessarily hard evidence. And so, and that's kind of what made the case blow up is because everybody believed with the circumstantial evidence that they had a perfect picture of who she was. Right. And they're like, this is a, this is a killer. Yeah. Like it, she really seems like a killer. And um, I think it is important to try to, to separate what's actual physical evidence and what is just circumstantial like this where you're trying to read into it like i bet she was thinking this well right well you might be right in what she was thinking um that doesn't mean it's admissible or that you know if it is admissible it doesn't mean that it's proof necessarily yeah i mean this stuff the tattoo the partying like i could care less about really I do. Um, I, I get the point. The yeah, I get it. Was doing because yeah. it was like, what? Like your kid's missing. Why are you doing this? Yes, I, I completely I understand it. it. But, but to me, it, I was like, show me the proof. <laughs> right. So you're very much, and I, I think I'm the same way too. You are very much. You want to see the the science behind it. You want to see the, mm-hmm. um, the cadaver dogs. The uh, you talked about the hair banding, the mm-hmm. things like that. The things that you can actually physically say, okay. Um, here's hard evidence that something happened. Right. Uh, which makes sense because that's the kind of thing that convicts people. Yeah. And I mean, to me, like everybody acts different. We're human. Right. Emotions are not science. Like I am on the fence of like, you know, everybody acts differently. That's not necessarily a convict or not convict. It goes into my mind. I I have biases because of it. I'm not, I'm not saying I don't. Um, I'm just saying that for me, I try to hang more on 
hard that ends. Right. And I mean, everybody's talking about, well, she didn't act right for what would have happened mm-hmm. in grief. Well, you're saying that most people are saying that as, and I hope, <laughs> hope this isn't the case for most people, but most people are saying this not coming from having gone through SA their whole life and then having not seen their child for 31 days and then mm-hmm. being locked up in prison. Right. Um, most, uh, pretty much everybody is probably not going to be able to fully relate with where she was at that point. And so that kind of people saying, I wouldn't have done it this way. You also didn't have her life. And I'm not saying that to defend her. I'm just saying that to know that people are going to grieve differently. And while that seems like a completely wrong way to grieve to me too, mm-hmm. I, you're right. It, it is hard to say, well, because she grieved like that or because she says she grieved like that, she was grieving the wrong way. I don't, that's hard to, hard to say, tell somebody how they're supposed to grieve. Right. And I will say this case among other, there's other cases too, but I have no idea what's up or down. I have no <laughs> idea what's truth or lies. I have my opinion, but then my opinion gets swayed. I have my facts and then my facts get swayed. This, there's nothing that's, there's not a handbook for this stuff. There's, there's stories change. Yeah. There lies. There were, I mean, it, it's, like you you're trying to know. connect the dots, but then like the story changes and you have to connect different dots. And it's, it, it is kind of, uh, I think that's another reason why this case blew up the way it did mm-hmm. is because everybody was trying to connect the dots, but the dots kept changing. Right. <laughs> I mean, you cannot connect the dots. So, um, this was interesting. This was something that I didn't know. Um, Casey claims that Jose Bias never told her that he was going to bring up the SA abuse in court. And this was, she had a, a big kind of paint in the scene. She had a big projector screen in front of her. She was watching court uh, videos of the court case and she was kind of almost explaining it as it was happening. And mm-hmm. she, uh, yeah, she explained that he hadn't told her that was what she said. He didn't even talk to her going into the courtroom that day. Right. Um, which she says that's so that he can, they can get her reaction to it. Um, but this to me was so messed up because that was not his story to tell. Like, yeah, I get that. Like, that's your defense and that he hung his whole argument on that. Right. But dang, like you're bringing up some, what if she didn't want that to be public? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, that's I not felt your story, that, bro. I felt that, <laughs> felt that too. <laughs> and I, I also got, she, she explained it too. She's like, he wanted the reaction to be real mm-hmm. of me bringing this up. Um, she she didn't want it to be um, me trying to fake a reaction or me having no reaction to it whatsoever. He wanted her to be surprised. Excuse me, her to be surprised that it was getting brought up, and therefore the jury to see her surprise. Mm-hmm. So while I get the tactic he was using, I do agree. I also felt that 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 felt wrong. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't know if I, I don't know where I'm at on that because did the ends justify the means? He was trying to keep her from getting the death penalty. Right. But at the same point in time, like, you're right. That's not his story to tell. So I, I'm kind of conflicted there. And I, I guess I kind of leave that up to her. Really. Yeah. If she, 
she didn't seem upset that he did it that way. So uh-huh. I, I guess it's okay. Um, but I feel like that's probably case by case. Like somebody else may not like that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, from here, we get her talking more about her dad, um, George, uh, that he was having an affair with a woman who, I don't know if you got this detail. I got it later on, but he had an affair with her because she was helping find his granddaughter. Yes. What uh, the heck? I, I caught that and I was like, whoa. And let's, whoa. <laughs> let, let's, let's say this too. They very clearly put at the end of the documentary episodes that George denied ever having this affair. Yes. Yeah. So he, he says it didn't happen. He says that she's lying about it. Mm-hmm. You... I guess have to make your own conclusion there based on what we have. They but did put her on the stand though. They put her on the stand and she said that it was, uh, did she say it was like he met her at a tent? Yeah. Basically? At a tent that they were organizing for the granddaughter. Being right. The same. And she, um, just got the, uh, she like, apparently didn't press him according to her, didn't press him on details for the story he just gave them to her yeah like he had a guilty conscience mm-hmm. and um, he said that it was an accident that went out of control right that's what uh, he said. that's what he told her that's yep. what she said when she was on the stand mm-hmm. and but he, he denies all this he denies on the stand he denied it, it right? right well i yep. don't know if he denied the affair did he it says that he did at the okay. end of the document on the on, at the end of the episodes on the little black screen text that they do, but mm-hmm. I, I didn't see him actually. I didn't see video of him denying it on stand. I don't think they had that in the. So maybe he wasn't asked that. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like they should have right. asked him that. Um, but yeah, so they and I can't remember her name either. Something Howell. Yeah, I don't remember her name either. Um, but write it. And it's it was just such a weird weird feeling there too because they're looking for your granddaughter that should be the last thing you think about is hooking up with somebody when you're out looking for your granddaughter so if that did happen i've got more feelings about george as we go into this so i while i was you know i've told you how i feel about um whether i think casey did it or not Mm-hmm. That by no means means I think George is an angel. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and speaking of why we're on the subject of George um, <laughs> and him lying, why wasn't he ever prosecuted for his lying and also the mom? Because they flip-flop stories back and forth. They lie to the cops. Casey gets a felony conviction and house arrest and all of this for lying to the cops. George and Cindy got nothing. Yeah. That uh, doesn't make sense to me. And they they go into this too, but they say that like he testified differently on the stand than what he was putting out in the media. Oh. Because in the, in the media, he was saying, oh, my daughter, I don't think my daughter could ever do anything like this. But mm-hmm. then like when he goes into on the stand, he's like, well, I, I think she probably did this. Okay. So and, maybe he didn't lie to... The cops, he just lied to the media. Which is, yeah, because it, it did, and he he's changed the story in the media a lot. Right, um, which that's not illegal. It's not. Unfortunately, you can tell the media whatever you want to say as long as it's not like slander or anything like that. You you could pretty much. It just makes you look fishy as fuck. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> and they, 
So this is something that aggravated me, and I don't know if if it, you may you felt the same way, but the guy that they had for was he just he was an investigator, right? Mm-hmm. The um that they interviewed from the police department. Yeah. Um. So he was. They were asking him, "Why did you not look further into George?" Yeah. And he was like, "Well, we don't believe he did it." Mm-hmm. That made me want to just turn it off for a second. Yeah. <laughs> and the reason why I say that is because the important part of that is that George, by all means, should have been a suspect, and he did say that he was a suspect, but they cleared him early. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, if you had really, really cleared George, then this case would have gone differently because they would have said, here's all the evidence that we have that George didn't do it. Mm-hmm. And then Jose Bias and the defense can't use that. They can't put that doubt on George because he was cleared and had a ton of reasons why he was cleared. Right. Um. So that frustrated me with the investigation part because I'm like, I know you are sure that it wasn't George and you were sure it was Casey, but man, just dig into George too. Yeah. And Check all your boxes. Make sure that George is good. And if he is good, the worst case you, the worst, you know, worst situation is you have more evidence that they can't put it on him and they have to put it on who you think did it. Exactly. So and, it frustrated me so much that he was like, well, he, he just didn't do it. It right. just didn't sound like he did it. He yeah. didn't sound like a liar. Yeah. Okay. Well, neither did well, Jeffrey Dahmer at some point. <laughs> but like, guess what? <laughs> clear him fully. Get hard evidence that he didn't do it. Get, you know, um, yeah, just make it, make sure that you, if he really didn't do it, just make sure that way they can use that in court. Yeah. Um, that's an absolutely great point. Um, (laughs) I definitely got mad at that too, because I was like, you, it's your job. Like, (laughs) yeah, like, please just try to clear everybody. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, at at the very least that you think of the suspects here, we've got, um, we've got Casey, we've got George, we've got Cindy. I guess you could do the brother, but I don't really think the brother ever really came up as a suspect much because he didn't even live in the house at the time. Right. Uh, and then you have Zanny. Well, Zanny was cleared almost immediately because Zanny's like, I don't even know who these people are. Mm-hmm. Um, the brother didn't live with them. Mm-hmm. So that it got cut down real quick to three. Yeah. And from most of what I've heard, Cindy, she wasn't home. She was at work. So she likely had an alibi and, got very little attention as a suspect. So you really had two suspects in this case and you, you can't focus on two people at once. Right. It was frustrating. Yep. Completely agree. Because that gave that, it didn't seem like much, but that gave Jose bias and, and their team reasonable doubt. Yeah. And I got to say this, like him or hate him, a lot of people hate him, but <laughs> love him or hate him, Jose Bias and that defense team, they they were incredible at casting reasonable doubt. Yeah. They they did an incredible job at that. And if if she is innocent, if she did not do this, then they did an incredible job. Yeah. If she did this and they knew she did this, that's a whole nother story because 
that's unethical. You could get you know, your license stripped. You can get so many things. Right. But if she really didn't do this and they're defending someone who didn't do it, they did an incredible job. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Because I, I was listening to them talk in the court. I'm like, I have reasonable doubt mm-hmm. <laughs> for the things you're saying. Right. Um, and we're going to get more into that part, too. Yes. So we leave this episode with the pool theory. Now, Jose Bias hung his hat on this pool theory mm-hmm. that Kaylee drowned in the pool and that it was a tragic accident. Right. And he made it seem like George basically cleaned up the evidence. Right. And Kaylee, Casey didn't do anything. Right. Um, I have some issues with this. Um, this pool theory in general. Um, if the father is a former cop um, and he's smart enough to know that accidents happen, why go down this road? Right. They made so many bad choices yeah. in all of this. Absolutely. You're, I mean, you're looking at not, not calling 911, not telling the mom, because they paint the picture that Cindy didn't know anything. Which if you listen to the 911 calls... Um, and I, this came from the other documentary that I watched after it. They, she called 911 three times. Mm. The first time she called and said, um, I believe she said that my daughter was stealing from me mm. and she wasn't upset. I mean, she was not happy. And she, just, right. she was like, I want to turn my daughter in for stealing from me. Mm-hmm. And then the second one is she is like, uh, I can't remember what the second call was. I'm sorry. We, I might have to look that was one up Was it later. about the car? It might have been about the car missing. Because I think I think the car missing happened, and then the she showed up. Casey showed up and didn't have Kaylee. Yeah, so, then they so called she was like, "I hadn't, again. I haven't seen my daughter. I haven't seen my granddaughter, and she has mm-hmm. our car. Some, something along those lines." Um, go check those out for sure. To yeah, fact check me. Definitely should always fact check. <laughs> uh, but then the third one and the second one, she was still obviously she's annoyed upset mm-hmm. um that she's had to call 911 twice and but then the third time was she called beside herself like upset my daughter I, I just found my daughter and my daughter hasn't seen my granddaughter in 31 days uh the car smells like a dead body mm-hmm. and she is super upset and yeah that's what most people would res- expect the reaction to be and then uh, Kaylee at that point, uh, Casey, sorry, um, goes on the 911 call because the dispatcher asked to talk to her and she said, um, I haven't seen my daughter in 31 days. I left her with the nanny. She gave the nanny's name and the dispatcher goes, why have you not, uh, called us sooner? Which valid question. Good job on the dispatch. Right. Um, and she's like, because I tried to find her through other means, which was stupid. Mm-hmm. And she said this pretty matter-of-factly, kind of like what I'm saying now. Yeah. Like, she had, like you said, no emotion. She kind of seemed annoyed that yeah. the 911 operator wanted to get her on the phone. She was like, I can't be bothered. Right. And she was kind of almost, like, annoyed at her mom, too. Like, yeah. Why are you freaking out right now? Right. Um, but, I mean, again, that's that's reading into you know, people's tones of voices. and But where I got into this at is by everything, it does really seem like Cindy had no idea. Even on the nine one calls, nine one one calls, it seemed like she had no idea. Yeah, that's that's how I. Um, I don't how know. I heard it. I, I think just throw how them could, out with the trash. Throw all you, of them out with the trash and start right. over. Because I mean, she <laughs> she said some 
there's definitely some accusation accusations tossed at Cindy too. Yeah. From um from K- uh, Casey. Yeah, I, I really worked on this. I'm like Kaylee Casey. Kaylee, I'm gonna get Casey it. Get, I'm gonna yeah. get it twisted. But um, so Casey said that her she came clean, and I think it was to the the second episode. Hopefully, I'm not jumping ahead, but she told her mother what her brother she she didn't want to say admit what her father had done but she said since i didn't want to admit she wasn't ready to say that um the defense team kind of put it as she was testing the waters with her mother by mentioning her brother did these things to her the Mm -hmm. essay and uh basically uh, according to um casey her mother called her Something I shouldn't say on YouTube. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, she, they they called her name and she um, was basically saying that she brought it on to herself, right? Like, uh, and not really the reaction you would should give somebody who's been through SA for sure. Right. Uh, again, that is alleged by Casey, though. That's not uh, the mother. Apparently, denies that. Yeah. Um. And that's why I'm like, just none all of, of them, them. None of them, none are, of them are good people. None of them are good. Just, well, why? Yeah, I mean, it kind of goes back to what we talked about in the previous episode of what we recorded. Um, it's like she was failed by the adults in her life. Yeah. Like it's, Casey was and Kaylee was. Yeah, especially Kaylee. Mm-hmm. But Kay- Casey sounds like it was. She was too. Right. So, while we're talking about this pool theory, this is how we end episode two, is that Casey kind of drops this thing about she doesn't even believe that Kaylee drowned in the pool. She says that was Jose Bias, that she doesn't believe that happened, um, which is a big major part of this. My jaw dropped. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I was not expecting that. Because she literally said that she held her daughter, mm-hmm. that her her she took her daughter from her dad and that she was holding her and that she was cold and wet and described it detailed. And then she's like, I don't think that's what happened. Like, yeah. You told me that's what happened just now. Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> How did you change? Like, we're not even through the episode. Why did you change? Right. So she says she didn't drown in the pool. Um, the ladder was not in the pool, is what she and says. And she very adamantly, she comes back to that, basically. Yeah. Very, uh, multiple times. Like, she couldn't have gotten in the pool because there was no ladder in the pool. Yeah. She says that a lot. Yeah. She's and like, so, she even says, like, there's nothing she could have even shimmied up. Which, right. I'm like, I don't know. I, I think I think it is a piece of her taking the blame off of herself. Mm-hmm. Because as a mother, like, mom guilt, if your kid drowns. And I think she even mentioned that the dad said she left the ladder in the pool. But she says yeah. there was no ladder in the pool. So I, I was kind of curious if they had any. But, I mean, I guess she's been missing for 31 days. How do you know if there's a ladder in the pool or not? There's no evidence <laughs> right. saying who's right or wrong there. Right. I mean, I wouldn't remember. Um, but I, I do. I she think didn't this remember is... if she locked the door or not. How does she remember if there's a ladder in the pool? Right. Um, this is a huge detail. And the reporter, and like I said, the reporter's on her side here. The reporter yeah. is trying to paint a picture that Casey Anthony didn't do this. But she says, so she didn't drown in the pool. There's no way she drowned in the pool. 
And the reporter just goes, then why is she all wet? Yeah. And then it just ends. And, episode two. Right. And that was, that was kind of my reaction, too. Is, and I'm kind of glad the reporter did it. I do know the reporter was on a specific side, but it was kind of like, at least the reporter asked that, where I was like, yeah, no, me too. Please answer. Yeah. I think this was her taking the blame off of herself. I think this is saying, I had absolutely nothing to do with this. There's no way possible that I did anything wrong. If she drowned in the pool, like, that is... I mean, it's it's not good. It's not it good, but it's right. But, but it's, it's not, not that you killed your child, right? Like, there's plenty of kids that drown. They, they said something accidents. crazy. They said that was like the number one cause of deaths by kids in Florida is in pools. Oh, yeah, that's nice. Um, Maybe we should take away all the pools. Let's from let's cover our pools <laughs> and let's <laughs> make sure. it where kids can't. That's that's like the number one thing you should have when you're owning a pool is a pool cover so other kids i'm i'm freaked out to get a pool because of stuff i don't have the money to get a pool but i'm <laughs> freaked out to get a pool if i did have the money because i mean i'm not even other worried, kids could go right, into I'm not your even pool worried about my kid i'm worried about <laughs> other kids from the neighbors getting over into the pool i'm worried about squirrels getting in the pool <laughs> like right. i don't want anything getting in the pool that can't swim and so if i get a pool i'm locking it down I'm sorry, but you're not responsible for squirrels. <laughs> I'm not responsible, but you don't want to find that. Right. You don't, want to, you don't want to come out and see a squirrel in your pool. Then you're just like, well, I'm a horrible person. Right. Poor little squirrel. Yeah. So that's <laughs> how we. I think I was going to that tangent today. <laughs> no, right. That is how we end episode two and we start episode three. All right. Zero to 10 scale. Where are you at? <sighs> um, I'm Did still the same. Did the at all? You're still seven still the same i think i'm still eight but the reason for the scale is actually for me for this next episode because to me i think this next the if you watch only one of the three episodes i think this is the one to watch i believe that as well yes because it i feel like a lot of the first two episodes were building a backstory i'm really wondering what you're gonna think this is so fun <laughs> it is it's, it's interesting because we. i wish we didn't together. have to do this because i wish that this never happened but right dang this is fun right yeah i mean it, it's it's interesting having the two perspectives but having not yeah. watched it together because we we did agree on a lot of things we gotta find some more documentaries to do this with yeah well, if you want that being as oh, how Lord. being as how i don't watch a lot of them I mean, there's probably a lot <laughs> <laughs> yep. Comment below if you want us to do that and if you like this format. Yeah. Hi guys, I just wanted to say I hope you enjoyed this video. If you like any of the content for Code 187, please click that subscribe button, that like button, that share button. Help us out, help us grow. Um, you can find us on your favorite podcast platforms. Um, yeah, check us out on there. Give us some ratings. Um, tell us what you think. We're also across every social media on Code187. So we're on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I think that's it. Um, and of course, YouTube. So please, please, please subscribe um, if you like our content and spread the word. We'll see you guys next time. Bye.